We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Saturday evening after the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Final score was 130 to 117. I'm joined by Britt Robson of Midpost here in Memphis to discuss the game. Britt, honestly, I didn't know what was going to happen coming into the night. We've talked about the you know, the chess match of this series that we got a good look at, I think, in four games coming into this playoffs. And a lot of it, you just kind of, with the victory of the Wolves, I mean, there's chess and stuff that we'll, we'll talk about this, but but really, I mean, to me, curious where you're at with it. it. It was just kind of struck me as a game where the Wolves just were kind of a force of will in this. Um, particularly at the top of the roster with Anthony Edwards having a 36-point game in his playoff debut. Carl Anthony Towns, a real bounce back from Tuesday, 29 points for him. I thought he played really well on on both sides of the ball. Uh, Where are you just at sitting here about an hour or so after the game ended? Well, I continue to be impressed. I mean, they're going up levels. They, two levels ago, they were at where I thought was their peak. So the right. fact that they've won the play-in, they won, I mean, I thought they'd probably win the eighth seed play-in. I did not expect them to beat the Clippers. I didn't expect them to win this first round. I have uh, some, you know, obviously they punched first. It's 1-0. and They have the home court advantage. All the cliches apply. But more than that, they were the better team today pretty much from start to finish. There were a couple of very obvious glitches that would explain how Memphis got back in the game a few times. And Memphis does have resilience in some respects. They've got John Moran who can get points even when he's not being efficient, but he keeps coming at you. But aside from rust, I think there was some obvious rust there. Um, from Memphis. Yeah, from Memphis. I think that... Uh, the Wolves are very confident against Memphis, and they are very good against Memphis. The Memphis doesn't take them out of a lot. They don't, Britt. I mean, we've I've been saying this. We've been saying this all year. Like, it's not to take away from who Memphis is or to take away from Job, but 
Saw this in the four matchups during the season. Grizzlies don't really have a one-on-one traditional matchup to put on Cat, yet they have the desire to do that. They want to just guard Cat with Adams. The Wolves want to counter that by using Cat on the perimeter even more than they normally do. And as it did in the regular season, that opened it up for Ant to be a multi-level score, three-level score in this game, really, which was he was getting to the rim. The three was obviously on as well, but he was able to boost his usage in this game and score 36 points because it wasn't one thing or the other. He was, Cat created space for him. The shooters surrounded him and Ant went to work. Like, I don't, the lofty comparison for Anthony Edwards aspirationally going forward for me it's a high bar, but it's always been Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's who you are hoping Anthony Edwards can become or some sort of facsimile right. of that, right? And doing this in his first playoff game is very reminiscent of, of Luka Doncic and what he did once, once he got, you know, to the league. And, I mean, just that player that dictates the flow of the game. I mean, right. Anthony Edwards dictated the, the flow of the game, and it's not to take away from Ja, who... We'll get into that. He he got his too, but Anthony was the best player on the floor in this game. I agree with that. And there were two all-stars on the floor and John and Kat. Um, I think Luca's a bridge too far for me simply because Ant doesn't initiate as much, and I don't think he ever will. And that isn't a bad thing. I mean, I'm, curi- roster, I'm right. curious to figure what, what would happen if Luca had a cat or a D-Lo next to him. Um I'm not sure it would work well. Lucas mm. seems to be a guy who's comfortable with 40 as a usage, like Russell Westbrook or some other people. We've learned that some people don't play well as a beta figure. What's been really impressive about Cat to me, I mean, excuse me, about Ant to me, is that he shifts back and forth between being the lead guy on your team to being the perfect complement to being somebody who doesn't mind disappearing for a while. Finch said it, you know, when I asked him today about his decision-making, that they had to make some moves that didn't involve him, and he is comfortable doing that, even though the dude is, um, and where he is similar to Luca is his ability to make shots that are semi-fadeaways against really, really tough contests. And that he did three or four times tonight, and they were all big. Um, so I would definitely agree with you as a shooter and uh, in in being able to get his own shot when it was pretty obvious to all that's what he wants to do on that possession. That type of dominance puts a seed of doubt in your opponent. You know, when your opponent is saying, all right, we're going to stop this guy this time. And he, you don't. And not only that, but you lose three. Um, he's 20 years old. And, you know, Luke is 23. So to that extent, that's also... You just look at these guys' ages and you go, holy shit, you know? But, I mean, would you be surprised and you don't want to get too caught up in the playing in a, in a game one? I mean, maybe Ant has a bad game in this series, but there, there's there's something Luca-ish about this, too, where you kind of, I'm going to come into game two with an expectation from Ant. No, now that's no guarantee, but it's, you know, watching those Mavs Clippers games over the past two years, it got to this point where you were like, well, they don't really have a counter for, mm-hmm. for Luca, right? Luca's going to be able to, right. to dictate there. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, do they load up on, you know, on Ant a little bit more in the next game, take a little bit off a of cap. But, like, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't want to take a lot off, off of Cat either. A lot of what Ant got going was when the Grizzlies went to that Clippers defense, if that's what we're going right. to call it. Right. And it was Cat was throwing a couple of those wild like hook pass <laughs> things at the beginning, but he settled down, right. right? He settled down and it was like in ways, it's just you can just square up there and it's swing swing and they found Ant on the opposite side and now you can't be loaded up. You're already loaded up on Cat on the other right. side of the floor. Right. So it's Ant, there's a 3 or there's a pump and go. And the, the connection of that, where it's not just like, okay, Ant, you got to isolate for 30 a game. Right. Like, I don't, that's not what he has to do. Exactly. And, and Luca, that's why I think it'll sustain. And, and if you told Luca, Luca, you don't have to isolate for 30 a game, I'm not sure he'd be happy. See, that's where I think the difference is. I, I think you. that, I mean, it's a recent comp, um, but I, I was thinking this even before we saw him. He is Paul George-like in terms of the fact that I think his natural rhythm is like 32, 7, and 9 or something, mm -hmm. or 33, 9, and 7. But over 5 across the board with the occasional looking miserable in stretches, um, the occasional uh, fumbling with turnovers or just like a, a brain fart where he throws the ball out of bounds for no reason. Um he kind of reminds me of Paul George when he began his liftoff next to uh, mm. uh, Roy Hibbert in, in Indiana. In Indiana yeah. And then, you know, was that way until he wrecked his knee in the Olympic trials. Um, he got about the same size. I think Ann obviously is built a little bit better for NBA contact. But um, we're talking about a guy who's yeah, well, these are lofty comparisons six yeah. time yeah. all-star. I think Paul George is, and I'm sure he's been on an all NBA team at least mm -hmm. once, uh, which again, this is something that, you know, you can throw Anton jaw for a handful of plays and you're not rolling the dice. Um, Huge the, development. He's 20 years old. And, and what struck me and what, what, what governed a lot of my questions in the post game is his decision-making is so much synergistic in the flow. I mean, yes, there are times where you can tell when he's doing his little crossover dribble thing and beginning to survey things and maybe sidling with the ball in his hand off to the side, getting a little bit different angle from the top of the key that he's probably going to shoot. But um, the fact if he makes one or two of those, the dynamic of another team's defense changes because you've got a guy that will embarrass you on a poster that will hit a tough three over you. And all of a sudden you got to start to be thinking about that. And meanwhile, you've got uh, an all NBA uh, center probably uh, this year and has been in the past who, you know, is remarkably talented. You have a, a point guard who is hot and cold but you've got weapons a lot of the places, and there is no issue of um, team play. The, the Wolves, and I, I've got to give a lot of the credit, if not, you know, maybe not the majority of the credit, but certainly half the credit to the way Chris Finch has coached this team, is there isn't a guy on that roster that doesn't swear by him. And... uh well, and Britt, you got contributions down the whole roster, too. Like, we were sitting there watching a the game, and you were like, uh-oh, it's only four-point lead. You know, it feels like it should be 14. And and that was, the, that was the feel of the game. So, to me, that signals, like, 
I think you saw a little bit of rust from Memphis for sure. Right. You did have Ant doing his thing. You had Cat doing his thing. D'Lo, nothing really until late. Right. But, right. but man, at 23 from Malik Beasley, I thought was huge. Because he it wasn't a problem on the other end either. And, and then Jaden McDaniels, 15. His both defense is not what it was against the Clippers, but it's not what it used to be either in terms of being just somebody who runs around like a chicken with his head cut off or just overreacts. Um, when was the last time that Beasley took himself out of a defensive play? It feels like that used to happen all the time, and that happens much less so now. Um Man, this team is humming. I mean, I just when when I was sitting there watching them <laughs> yeah. today, and we had a really interesting view. We were up, you know. Thank God we Pinnacle went like twenty five feet to the right, or we would have been into this corny bandstand that these people have <laughs> there, where they have these wrestling events on the side. I mean, just this weird fucking Memphis shit that um, was. It looked very like odd. a chessboard. Yeah, it, it looked like a chessboard from where we're. I'm not, and I don't know. It's just yeah, a different yeah, stadium, yeah, and that's get rid of the Memphis stuff. What you're saying yeah. is let the court. Yeah, the yeah. angle of the court. It, it was even better than the hockey press box because that looks like a toy game. And this, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it, it wasn't terrible. In fact, I'm looking forward to seeing another game from there right. because it was so much fun to watch the ball movement. But not only that, because you have such a a wide up view. It's a bird's eye view to some extent, but you see where people are going to their spots on the floor more as a map than you do. If you're almost at their level, right? You know, otherwise they're, they're going peripherally to you here. They're kind of going for, they're forming a design that you can watch the design take shape. This, this comparison isn't going to work for you, but I think it will for a lot of the listeners. Okay. It reminds me of like when I used to play basketball video games. Uh-huh. That's okay. where it kind of look where they're kind of like tracking it from the top in that sort of way. Well, one thing that stood out to me from what was a good angle for that was I thought was seeing the Wolves defense and and how Another they were part, right. obviously the thing we're, we're we're dialed in on is Ja and and how are you gonna how are you gonna keep him out of the paint? How are you gonna how are you gonna present coverages at him? And he got to the paint. He did. It was the Wolves high wall thing that they've done all year. Uh, they presented Cat up at the top and and Ja was just splitting it. He, he was splitting it as soon as the screen, he, which he's really good at. I mean, he's a thin guy. He can kind of get through those. He could split like nasty when he could do like and behind the back. he's got four split different it. split moves. I know. It, and it, it was a problem. And and I, I and it kind of led to where it felt like all Ja and no one else. So in a way, it worked like you look at Ja's stat line. Well, he, had, he took 20 free throws. I know that. He had 32 points, I think it was. So it was but he's minus 16. Yeah, you know. not only that, but I I do remember in the uh, it was either the first quarter or the first half. I think it was actually the first half. He had 15 points and one assist. That's what you want. I mean, you know, it's I asked Finch this and he didn't want to answer it before the game. Um, he doesn't like specific questions about strategy right before games. I would I wouldn't surprise. either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, it's still I'm 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 curious. I mean, what am I, I'm going to sit there and you know right. shoot the ask him how the weather is or something? So. But there's this uh, – I was curious to find out whether or not it's the it's the classic thing that everybody knows. Do you let somebody get theirs and and reduce everything else? Do you want Ja to have 40 and 6 or do you want Ja to have 27, 12, and 8, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the Wolves are obviously going to be content with him getting 40 if they could reduce the assists – and so, you know, I mean, 
Some of it was rust, but I will tell you that Memphis was seven for 27 from three point range. That's one stat I do remember. And I also think the number of uncontested layups Ja got was minuscule. I could right. count them on one hand, and he shot a ton. I mean, they made him earn those. Usually it was one of these gyration moves. Some of them went in, some of them didn't. Some of them he got clobbered, actually most of them. Um, that's the way you play somebody who's fearless, who goes at you, the Iverson-Westbrook model, um, which Ja is kind of like a, a, a hybrid of both of those guys. Right. Um, if he's going to get through three guys, fine. But those three guys are going to be coming at angles where you're not going to have that centrifugal move. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought uh, defensively they played really well. And offensively, we've talked about it some. It's a different presentation of a pick and roll, right? Like largely when we've seen teams have success against the Wolves, right? They set that high screen and Luca or Trey Young or whatever drags it all the way out wide to the to the perimeter. Then you're trying to hit the low man in the middle. Obviously, the middle of the floor is the weakness of the Wolves defense when you're in that sort of coverage. I thought it was really interesting move by Memphis to set the screen on the inside every right. time. So Jaws then splitting it and going middle, getting downhill. Because they have the personnel that works that well. Only other one only one other team I can remember doing that against the Wolves, and it was or the Orlando Magic in mm. in the that game they lost at home when Cole Anthony kind of yeah got yeah, going. Yeah. You remember yeah. that? Yep. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it, it's just hard to split pick and rolls. Like you got to you got to have a sort of special handle in that sort of way, which Cole Anthony did in that game. Paul George did that a little bit too, and some of the other he likes to do that a lot too. Mm -hmm. But it's a different, it's a bold split. Yeah. Versus uh, Jaws like a... Uh, he just gets skinny and like throws you know, the ball. Jaws more the matador than the bull. He's busy sidestepping on on rushing traffic, you know? So do you do you think from the Wolves' standpoint, does that need a counter? Or are you or are you cool with it? Because like you said, it was one of those things I where... I loved it. I, I mean, okay. that's kind of what I was asking Finch for um, before the game. I wanted to hear... Like if if Ja was going to get a ton of points, I wanted to hear that that wasn't something he was totally unhappy with, and he didn't really make that many adjustments. It wasn't like he nope. was, you know, uh, obviously the high wall is they have to live and die with it pretty much. But um, even the way that he was splitting the high wall, not a lot of adjustments. I thought Jaden uh, handled it as well as anybody because of his length. Um, yeah, you got to stay connected there. That makes it harder to right harder to split it. Yeah, I mean, so so for me, I, I kind of go both ways about it. Where I'm like, if he can split it, and then he can start spraying it out to shooters, that's a big if. That is a big if because Memphis doesn't have that personnel. So and also, it's I, kind of an admittance on Taylor Jenkins, Memphis's coaches, like he's admitting kind of the weakness of the surrounding shooters around them because you're saying, okay, Jock, go run a pick and roll and try and score where most teams try and run a pick and roll against that coverage against the Wolves to try and generate a three for somebody else. And I also think that in in terms of decision-making, what I praised Ant for so much, Ja had an immature decision-making game. Ja was ready to beat this team on his own and rally people, and some of it was his best sidekick. Easily the second-best player on the team is Jaron Jackson Jr., and he had a bad game, seven blocks aside. He did not shoot well left. I don't think he made a three. Um, and he's a pretty good three-point shooter. 0 for 5 from three. 
In fact, he he was known for it more than his defense a year ago. Right. I mean, when he really began to get into a three-point groove, it's been less so this year. Bain is obviously their guy. I think they should give more time to Anthony Melton, uh, who's statistically is shooting really well from three this year, especially in the second half. But I talked with uh, Chris Harrington, an old friend of mine. I did a pod with him the other day, and uh, we just talked, as you know. He covers at, the Grizzlies. At, at lunch, yeah. 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 He covers the Grizzlies. Yeah, an important fact. Who's <laughs> 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 seen them quite a bit. But he says that um, Melton's kind of untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he is streaky, and he has been putting up good numbers, but it's kind of like if someone said, hey, you know, Delo's a 38% shooter. You know, you ought to go to him. And you go, yeah, when he's on, you know. Right. Um, but I think you're right about the fact that we need to think about where Memphis is going to be better on Tuesday, and we know they will be. Uh, that you know, this is a 56-win team, and the matchup isn't great for them, but they still have a lot of talent. And I, Taylor Jenkins is a great coach, although I gotta confess, not today. I, I mean, agreed. for the reasons you and I, I mean, agreed. Stephen Adams, what the hell are you doing? If you put your faith in Stephen Adams, and he gives you zero and four, <laughs> zero points, no shots. And four rebounds. This guy is like always three among rebounds. The, three rebounds. Okay. Always <laughs> among the NBA four leaders. Fouls. Always among the NBA leaders in offensive rebounds and rebounds in general. And he should have been played off the floor numerous times, and yet somehow he remained on the floor. And what makes that even more absurd to me is that this is my bias. I came in openly concerned about Cat, openly concerned that that Clipper game could linger, that he would have another game where the demons started to enter into his confidence and he wouldn't play well. Well, Stephen Adams solved a lot of that, <laughs> you know, because he's well, slow. He's slow. Coverage. What are you doing? He's... What are you doing? There's 82 game, 83 games of Timberwolves film out there that – literally screams. Everybody listening to this podcast knows throw two at cat. It won't work every time, right? but it works a hell of a lot more often than just trying to guard him straight up. So yeah, what a cat had like 12, 14 in the first quarter, right? Just taking, taking Adams off the dribble because fives can't guard cat in single coverage. Not anymore. Show me one. Right. Who? Joel Embiid. No, 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 no. All guys with doubles can guard him. This is, and and as I said before, Carl even countered that some too. Yeah, got a couple weird hooks out of the way, and and then he was he was like, "All right, patience, swing, swing. We're gonna we're gonna get ours." Let's take a quick break. I want to talk more about about Cat and, sure. and that matchup because I think talk about adjustments that from yeah. Memphis will certainly need to be one. Today's show is brought to you by Twenty by Twenty Solutions. As I mentioned before, Twenty by Twenty Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success. Whether it's technology, workflow, platform architecture, or more, they'll help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction, providing support and conversation to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound. 
the Timberwolves grabbed this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. That's 20x20solutions.com slash begin to install the Scoreside app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season. 20x20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson uh, after game one, recapping the Wolves 131-17 victory. We talked a lot about Anthony Edwards and John Morant in, in the first segment there. Britt started talking about Cat. Um, again, offensively, I thought defensively, Cat squared up Jaw well, even in those split situations. Often, Jaw did get to the line. It was oftentimes by a second guy coming down to to follow him. I'm, I'm curious to go back and, and watch it a little bit more technically. Right. But my my sense as I was watching Cat guard was, yeah, Jaws scoring, Jaws getting to the line. But it wasn't, Cat wasn't getting put in that jail of like decision to show on the floater and, and the lob back there. I thought he was super solid defensively. And then as much as a center can dictate offensively, I, I thought he did. He took Adams one-on-one when he had the opportunity and and then also was patient when when it asked for it and met zero fouls to the fourth quarter for him. Uh, if it could have given me that on my bingo card, I would have said Wolves for sure, right. you know? And and you know, credit credit to Cat on a on a bounce back. I don't think he 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 spoke to us post game and he was like you you asked him, right? Like were there were there moments yeah, where you where got you had frazzled? To catch your, yeah, where you, you know? basically said Keep your composure now. You know? And he did. And he said, yes. He, he said, said, yes, there lot. were moments. That's what he said. He said it a lot. He said it with a big smile on his face. Um, here's what I'll say about Cat is my faith in Cat consistently is shown to be thin. I have been impressed with him when he's done well. When he isn't doing well, I'm quick to redoubt him. And that Clipper game, I thought, was a terrible game, just an awful game, and worthy of being doubted. But I probably would have put a decent amount of money on some of that creeping into today's game. And it didn't. It didn't. And I've got to start to have a little more genuine faith in this guy being a little more resilient than he shows by... He's never been his best advocate in some respects in terms of when he's at the post-game podium or some of these other things. Screw that. I mean, you know, just like I kind of give Ants, you know, ah, shucks, uh, charismatic genius short shrift because, hey, I'm not going to get caught up in that. Well, I'm busy watching Ants game. I need to start not getting so caught up in this cat, uh, in a logarithmia kind of uh, you <laughs> no, know, I know stuff, you of course, yeah. you know, and so Same. and watch his game because today was an, a mature performance. Both Ant and Cat were incredibly mature, um, and this is Cat's first playoff game since uh, the Jimmy Butler debacle, and this is first Ant's playoff game ever, and uh, those guys did the right thing all the time. You, you mentioned Cat, like on the jaw drives. There was almost this ch- always a chase guy after he got through that uh, wall. Mm. And Cat trusted the chase enough to say, 
I'm not going to wall him up because then it's going to be a it's going to be a three person log jam if I get in the way of this necessarily. I mean, I will try to deter the layup, but there's a guy coming hard on his heels, and if I go hard at him too, it's almost certainly going to be a foul. I mean, there just seemed to be a few times where um, Cat went out of his way yeah. not to foul him, and maybe even at the expense of giving him the basket. And that is absolutely the right move when Jaws at that point in time, and even so, Jaws got to the line 20 times. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't on Cat's well, time. We know it wasn't on Cat because he didn't it have fouls. On, it wasn't he didn't on have Cat's fouls. time. And you know what? That is... We saw what six minutes of Nas Reed does to this team. You yeah. do not want to have Cat out of the game against Memphis because then Steven Adams is effective. Then if he isn't, you've got other players that can, you know, Brandon Clark remains. If there's a, an entire player in the NBA who I would like to see on the Wolves roster for two reasons, it's Brandon Clark. One, he's a perfect fit on this roster. And two, he kills the wolves he kills them <laughs> addition by subtraction addition by <laughs> subtraction and also what he would do how he would slide in he's a very rich man's torian prince in my view mm. you know he doesn't have the range obviously from outside but he's got the you know he's a, he's a he's bandoish i would say more than tp well i mean vandoish except that he does have coordination you know um a little less chaotic maybe yeah well and also yeah i mean Put it this way. If he goes up for a ball after he's gotten an offensive rebound, you're pretty sure it's going to go in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, to the Nas point, because that, that stood out to me in, in the first half as well. Obviously, you got to give Cat some rest. What did Cat finish with for minutes here? He finished with 43. 43. Yeah, like, but he came out kind of at his normal time in the in the first half where back in. he, you know, Nas starts the second quarter and and you know, I, I understand going to Nas in that situation, but what happened in that time was Adams is off the floor. So it was Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark were the bigs out there right. for the Wolves. So I get, you know, you want a big body. That's a big, big front court. But it was like the first or second possession after Nas was out there that Jaron Jackson Jr. picked up his third foul and went to the bench. Yep. And then Memphis went super small. And then with Brandon Clark at the five and Kyle Anderson at the four, and I said to you, you know, right away then, I was like, this is an opportunity to play Vando at the five. Right. You know, and that and Nas ended up not having a good. It was good incredibly shift. prescient comment because Memphis went on its most sustained right. series of being the best team on the floor. Maybe it's only one. I think there was some confusion by the Wolves late in the first half that also felt that way. Um but well, I'd say they got outscored by six points in those four minutes that Nas was on the yeah, floor. Yeah, and right I there. will tell you. It was worse uh, it than that. It felt like a lot more than that. The only way it it wasn't more than six points was I, I think it actually was more than six points during a three minute period and, and then minute prior to that somebody hit a three or, or a five yeah. point swing or something. Because there was a period, there was a blitz when it was embarrassing. And anybody who's listening to this game that saw the game said I was screaming for Nas to get out of the game or to stop shooting or to nobody give him the ball or, you know. I mean, it was so obvious that one player just didn't have the same rhythm on the court that the other nine players did, and it was killing the Wolves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no disrespect to Nas. He actually played really well against Memphis during the regular season And you know series. what? It is hard to come into a game yeah. and, and get, like, 
if you know you're going to get 12 minutes, that, you know, or 15 minutes, but the way things are going now in the playoffs, Nas knows that bench minutes are more precious. And he, he's the kind of guy who will put pressure on himself to make those minutes count. And today that pressure went the other way for him. He's the only guy on the roster, in my view, with the exception of D'Lo in terms of his shooting anyway, who I would grade badly. I right. thought I thought he was terrible. And not that he's always going to be terrible. You know, I'm not. No, a, but not I think it, it, my takeaway yeah. is that what's going to happen probably in one of these games is Cat's going to get in foul trouble. Uh huh. You know, like. That, and you think Finch is, is grooming him for that period? At the, I, I, that, I I got that, you know, wanting to have Nas rhythm because he's going to play in this series. Right. But if there is a game where, where Cat's only able to play 25 minutes due to foul trouble in this series, right? That's a lot of, you know, it's 23 minutes now. What about the moose? Well, I, I'm just, <laughs> well, maybe if, if that's the situation, if Cat gets in foul trouble and it's when Memphis starters Right. Are, are out there and they're going Adams and Jerry Jackson Jr. You almost have no choice but to go to Monroe. But right. my point more so is I, I kind of like the, I kind of just in general like Vando at the five uh-huh. and, and, and I like he Nas plays too, it on offense anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, plus if you got Prince back and you right. got McDaniels, right. You know, I think Prince had about 45 seconds of serious rust and then he was back to himself and Jaden, you know, Jaden played great. Take advantage of going, small when you can. I don't think that's like a it, it's not like an infringement on your identity because it's your second unit identity, right? right? Your 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 main identity is going to be those cat minutes. But you're forced to say that because Finch considers it an infringement on their identity. I guess. I, I mean, I, he does. But he played Vando against the Clippers when they went small. That's that's why I was thinking about. I wouldn't right, have even right. been thinking about it in that moment. He was far more ready to embrace your pregame question about Cat and Nas together than he was about uh right. going small. I, I think that um, I think some of it is rotations on the roster. I think that he also is thinking about the fact he has to play 10 sometimes or maybe nine, but you don't get McLaughlin and Prince in the game if you're going Nas Cat too much. Mm. Um, and I think he wants to make sure that a yeah, that- player he cherishes in McLaughlin and a player he knows he has to have for veteran leadership in Prince are happy campers. Right, right. And the sense I got when I saw, oh, what, like you're going 10, is I felt like that was Finch feeling it out, you uh-huh. know? Right. And yes. and and the feel is very apparent. And Nas right now. turned out to be the guy who had to be left and, out and of J the next Mac time. Too. And yeah. J-Mac, too. Well, actually, but J-Mac got an encore, man. <laughs> Nas didn't. Yeah, that, well, that's true. Well, Nas got a minute in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the garbage but, time. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, th- this is just what this is what the playoffs are about, right? And, and, and exactly, they're first and foremost going to be defined by you know the four or five best players in the series: the Wolves' big three, Jaron Jackson Jr., Ja, and and then Bane, if you want to put him in there too. And th- those are like the the known driving factors in it, but. I don't have this experience from covering the Wolves of the playoffs all that much, but just from, you know, watching the league, that is so much what ends up happening in right. this series is, you know, they're, they're clipping at the film right now and, and, and looking at it and, and looking for adjustments and adjustments aren't just about your pick and roll coverage. They're about who you can put out, where you can put them and survive and, 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 and find advantages. And I think that was Finch 
casting a wide net initially, right? And 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 Mike Inori too, obviously, is a is a big role in that. And and for for the most part, even if J Mac and Nas were underwhelming, the bench delivered as a group yeah. next to them again, like. Yes, Malik Beasley. I thought he was terrific in the game. Jaden McDaniel's also productive, if not as profoundly productive. Right, but but that was I. They needed it. They needed more than thirty six from Ant. They just do, and they will in this series. Finch has a really good sense of the guys on his roster right now. I think. I think he really trusts Beasley right now, and Beasley feels it. I think Beasley is ratified. He's playing like a ratified guy. He's playing like a guy that I know what my role is. My role is to get points and meanwhile provide some subsidiary benefits that people don't know about, and then I'll be able to have a chance to get more points. Which broadly he's been doing for like three months now. Certainly the, the points is more the points lately. The point, are the definitely shooting. on the regular. And and it should not be underestimated. You've pointed it out many times. Actually, you're probably as responsible for this opinion of mine as anybody that um, what Beasley does is not normal. The other, you know, I, I would say about eight teams have some, you know, like a little less oh, than like it's uh, style. A okay. le- about a quarter of the league has a guy that is just going to get you between 37 and 40% on volume threes. Yeah, it doesn't matter what threes they are. Yeah. And so that is an edge that you have to put a little check mark. It's not one of the top three things you're putting a check mark on, but it's, it's in the it's mix. Duncan Robinson in the Heat's bubble run here. There you go. That was definitely, I would say that's one of the hallmarks of it, yes. I mean, but you can go way back. I mean, you can go to... Um, Eddie House. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually perfect for that, because that's all he does. I mean, aside from the fact he's a hustle guy, but he's somebody who... Hey, Malik hustles. You know, I, no, I, I meant that, you know... He's he's definitely um, Eddie House dreams of being regarded as Malik Beasley. <laughs> Don't tell that to KG. <laughs> I, I I thought uh, I, I thought I thought he was huge. I thought coming into this he was going to be an X factor. I mean, you can just their Memphis's defense is puncturable in the corners. Yes, particularly if they're going to load up on Cat or in a different way if they're going to load up on Ant in the next game. And and it's going to be about repositioning on drives by Beasley and, right. and McDaniels. Those are going to be the flanking shooters. Right. And and I thought they, like, that part of the game today, from the, what did they shoot overall from three? 16 to 41, 39%. That isn't even crazy shot making. No. But but the execution almost all of in the rhythm, looks, though. I mean, that was, yeah. what we say about our vantage point, what's cool is we can see <laughs> There's three, you know, Beasley should have had five more open threes. Right. I mean, I was, you know, I was upstairs. It, one of the nice things about being upstairs is you're, you, you feel like you're seats. in your living room or something. You know, you know, you <laughs> can start screaming at the game and you don't have to worry about people bothering you or being you was, know, regarded as. was not as, screaming that often. Huh? You were not screaming that often. No, no, no. But I mean, there was times where I just said, he's wide open. I think I did say that a few times. Like, you know, I mean. At the very least, I want to see what's developing in front of my eyes maximized. Right. And it could be the other team, too. In fact, there were a few times where I just like basketball that seizes advantages that I see. It isn't a I'm for the Wolves or I'm for the Grizzlies. It's like 
the play here is the wide open, good three point shooter who's there. Right. You know? And so Beasley is clearly somebody who, if anything, is a little underutilized. I mean, Duncan Robinson gets more pointed towards when he comes into the game. It's like, all right, they're going to start to go to Duncan Robinson a lot now because he's in the game. And, and I don't Beasley's think that's like automatic filling with in the Beasley. gaps. Huh? Yeah. It's more like filling in the gaps with Beasley. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, just also that uh, Beasley is um, somebody who has to contend with Cat and, and D'Lo, you know. Mm. Even when he's coming in off the bench, one of those guys is on the floor, usually D'Lo, and there's usually a couple of other guys who are, you know, it's it's a quick pass organization. Easy to say that one of the reasons the Wolves were the better team today was because Beasley and McDaniels both gave them things that are becoming, if not expected, not surprises, you know? I mean, Beasley will give you um, 40% on nine shots. He'll he'll hit four for nine um, or whatever and throw in a couple of uh, – now he's throwing in a couple of floaters That's and a couple say, of man. assists. And, four uh, for ten from three tonight, but also four from four, four for four from two. Yeah, because, again, he's another guy that's getting it. And I think that's that ratification I was talking about. Mm. And he knows you got to know. Don't you think that Malik Beasley knows better than anybody how good defense he's playing all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> he's so pumped. No, he's been... He's got to be... I think somebody even mentioned, like, Malik, I, I talked to Malik, he was sky high before the... I mean, you bet he was. He's he's on a roll when they're in the playoffs. He's a competitor. Yeah. He, 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 and he, he is that, too. And and I thought maybe that would be, like, a little jolted from him. Yeah. Coming in, like, the first three would hit the backboard or something. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean... As far as cliche X factors go, I, I thought I thought he was terrific and 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 made and you know made a made a huge difference to this. Let's let's mix in one more break here. We'll okay. come in for a final final segment here with Britt Robson. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back again with Britt Robson of Midpost for a final segment here, recapping the Wolves and Grizzlies uh, game one, 130-117 for the Wolves. Britt, do you remember when the Pelicans 
swept the Portland Trailblazers 4-0. What Do you year? remember that? 2017-18 was Anthony Davis is on that team. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I do. And, and Portland, was, Portland was the three seed. Right. And they still had Drew. They still had Drew. And what they did is they blitzed the hell out of Damian Lillard up yeah. high with, I mean, in the high wall concept, similarly. Right. right. With, Actually, with, good point. With, I hadn't even Davis. thought about the high wall that way. Well, you in know, fact, I don't remember the high wall, but I do remember blitzing Dame Lillard. Go, go. If you're listening to this, go look up high, even just highlights of that game. Dame got completely shut down because he had Drew on the ball and he had AD coming up at the Whew. level in, in that sort of way. That's as good as it gets. And, and that was the, that was the three seated Blazers. Versus the six-seeded New Orleans Pelicans. You know who the associate head coach of the Pelicans was that year? Chris Finch. He was. And and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself here after right. sure. after one game, but I don't know how. Re- I'd be curious how the odds is that of Gentry this- is the head coach. Gentry is the head coach uh-huh. there. Chris Finch was his number two. He right. was his Mike Anori. And and again with the playoffs, so much of this is what do we have for you? Right, you know, and that's what the Pelicans clearly had great game plan, and they swept them. They swept the Blazers in that series as the as the dogs, and then pr- pr- went on to lose the next series. I think. I think, I don't so think the Warriors. That, yeah, yeah. No, I think. Yeah, they went to they went to the next round, but there's something leaving this game that feels like something like that is possible. Uh huh. And and I was sitting there watching Ja, and you know. He was kind of getting his, but it was very similar. It, it stood out to me as, as very similar to that to that Blazers series. And if the Wolves have an answer for Ja, which doesn't isn't an answer of like holding them to twelve points, right? No, an answer where he is not invasive ja- into his other teammates and elevating them. I didn't feel like John Morant did that in right. this game, despite playing a good overall game. And I think if you can neuter some of that with this Grizzlies team, given their lack of shooting, that is a recipe where you can just press the button four, five, six, seven games in a row and, and come out ahead. I, I didn't, I, I came into this thinking this was, I thought this was going to go long. Uh-huh. I, 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 the whole time I said Grizzlies gun to my head. I would have taken, you know, the, the Grizzlies, Grizzlies in six it. is the safe pick. I think. Is the, yeah, that's the, I think that's I didn't the, make a pick on purpose because I really didn't know when I did my playoff preview I just thought to myself, I can talk myself into a Wolves upset, but how ridiculous does that sound? Wolves beef beat rider talking himself into something yeah. that, I mean, after like a 2-0 Grizzlies lead, right. which I can also find very predictable. I could write that too, you know. <laughs> um, why don't I just watch and see how it plays out? Because I frankly didn't know. Dude, I didn't think this was going to happen today. Well, I, I'm what, pretty what did shocked. Josh shoot? Eight of eighteen, I believe. Okay, I eight of eighteen, you, and it was forty-four percent. Is the maybe the highest he shot this year against the Wolves? That's something he you stunk could, in all the games. He did for, I, I by remember, his standards. I remember seven for twenty-five game. If you go to Basketball Reference where they they do splits and they do splits against each individual team, I think uh, NBA does it too. But it, it's not as the numbers aren't as easily read. <laughs> um, there's only one other team that did vaguely this well against uh, Jaw, and they didn't do as well, and it was Atlanta because they only played them once. Mm. Uh, and so, I don't know, Jaw wasn't around for the other game. Um, 
he managed to play the Wolves all four times. He only played like 50 or 60 games. I mean, he missed like 25, 30 games. Um, but played poorly in a handful of the they games. They shut him down relatively. Everything is relative when you talk about him. I mean, I think he may have even averaged over 20. But if Ja is averaging, like today, you said he got 32 or something. He, you know, 16 of them are at the line, though. Exactly. Which is, and that's also, not, how many discredit, assists, but... how many turnovers. I mean, there is this sense of um, they have unique personnel. Um, you start with Pat Bev, and that's a whole psychological load you got to put on yourself if you're Ja. And yep. McDaniels, all of a sudden... You got a six nine spider, and you know then you got Vando on occasion, who is um, much more like a uh, uh, a strong safety, you know, kind of softening yeah. you up on passes over the middle or something. And so you do have this sense that they can throw a number of different looks at him. And then this is my biggest takeaway, and I, I've actually it hit me while we were talking on this pod. Uh, in terms of if I'm going to be optimistic about this team, Jace Frederick, our colleague from the Pioneer Press, as we're all want to do, got on a kick about, you know, he asked everybody a certain type of question. And the question he asked today was, the Wolves were always quicker to the ball. I will tell you, the Timberwolves are quicker than the Memphis Grizzlies overall. The Memphis Grizzlies have Really deep contingent of very capable players. But aside from Ja, even Tyus Jones, there is not a lot of twitch quickness. There's not a lot of quickness on this team. Um, well, and if Tyus Jones is the one to bring it up, <laughs> that's not the fastest. Right. I love Tyus, but. Exactly. That, and that's yeah, what I'm no, saying. Good point. I mean, if you think about it, uh, who is going to be the guy who's going to blow by you if you have Ja in hand? Who's going to be zipping around? I love Melton. He's a great staunch guy. I don't but... even think they're going to go for that, Britt. Like, I, I think the plan will be we're going to get more physical and we better get more it's offensive It's going to get rebounds. chippy, too. Yeah. And, and, and because that's what you got to go at with Cat. You, you know, the guy doesn't have that many weaknesses anymore. But one of them is you try to, you know, you try to pry that composure off of him. And... Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, hopefully, Cat makes you look kind of foolish doing it. Mm. Um, what I found really revealing today was that Dylan Brooks hit a three over Ant and just let him know about it almost all the way down the court. <laughs> and the very next possession was like swing, swing, swing. And Ant's got the ball at the three-point line. And I think it was Brooks running at him. I can't remember who it was now. Ant did the easy side dribble and the guy went flying by. And then he went at somebody hard dribble who got ready to contest. And he did one of those ant euros and just laid it in. And like, this is a guy who just been told, you know, what an MF he was or, you know, right. all kinds of trash for like 30 seconds. And instead what he does is he up fakes one guy by, you know, dribbles by one guy, sidesteps another guy, just lays it in. It's only two points, but it was like, I could care less. I mean, and, and I, I wrote this in the last column I wrote. Um, D'Lo 
fed Ant for the dagger after yeah. Ant had his, uh, you know, splashed a great dunk and all this other stuff. And D'Lo leaped high to steal the ball and went down the court, drove and took the guy with him. There were literally only three people, I think, past the half court line. D'Lo, the guy he dragged with him, and Ant in the corner. Yeah. Ant chucks up a three. If he makes it, like they're up nine with a minute 40 or something left. Or I can't remember what exactly mm -hmm. what it was. Airball over the thing, you know? <laughs> and so and there's an immediate timeout for some reason. Ant comes over to him with a big smile on his face and just hugs him. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, this guy cannot be rattled. Well, Brett, the, all right. If the two teams got on the floor, like dodgeball style at the other end, and they showed up and they said, let's fight, Memphis would win <laughs> the brawl. Not even close. But, Steven but, Adams but, would take like the top four guys on the walls and put them in his pocket. The thing is with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell is they're not afraid of that. Right. They aren't. And and that has been that has been their ethos when they played them during the regular season. That's been when they played other teams during the regular season. Where if you want to, to try and rattle those two, I'm not saying it's a bad strategy to try and get physical with the wolves right, and for right, all the right, cat right, peeling right. composure reasons you said. But try and do that against Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. Like, they just don't care. They don't care. I. It's abundantly clear. D'Angelo Russell is like, all right, D'Anthony Melton, you're going to try and, like, give me this. I'm way better than you. That's what's going on in his head, and he would be accurate with, right. in, in that sentiment. And Ant, you're right, unflappable. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dylan Brooks. You're just going to look – you're just going to, like – Looked up. Now, Malik Beasley might get in and start yapping with you. Like, <laughs> exactly. he'll play that game. And right. he's like, well, we could square up like that. Right. Right. We'll, we'll see what happened there. But I don't like, as I, you know, studying for the series, going back and watching the games, you saw Memphis try and do that. And it worked particularly in game two, which actually the Wolves won by a lot. It really worked against Cat. Right. Never worked. Against Anthony Edwards, never worked. Has against it Anthony ever Russell. worked against? Because yeah, it's just like they're not. Remember they're the not Jimmy on that Butler audio thing? wavelength. But Jimmy Ant, Butler yeah. rested the ball out of his hands and yeah. threw it, and Ant pushed him. But it was almost like a come on push, you 100%. know. And Butler came. That's up for the birds, Britt. That's for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> and Butler came up to him and answered. That's for the birds. Then he said, "Nobody wants to fight on the court." Yes, it was such a, exactly. It was the. It was probably the quintessential Anthony Edwards quote. It was yeah. simple. It was accurate. But it had profound meaning. It's like, <laughs> if this guy pushes me on the street, we may have to go at it. But we're on the court right now. I'm not. I'm not about playing that game. I yeah. I, I don't like. I don't know, and I don't want to get too caught in the moment of like a win or whatever, because that was a concern of mine coming into this. Yeah. But it was not. There were there were zero moments of like if things got chippy where you were like, oh, that was disadvantaged wolves, mm -hmm. you know, like but it Kat dunked on Jerry Jackson Jr. Yeah. And then Jackson Jr. popped Jade McDaniels. It wasn't <laughs> even him. He was just I'm like, sorry. I'm going to hit the closest guy here. He just hits Jade McDaniels. And I, I asked Jaden about that after the game. He's like, we talked about it. Not worth it. That's what his answer was. Right. Right. You know, and and sure, just. Go guard them. Go score on them. Like that. That's the real fight here, right? Like the real fight's on the scoreboard. Right. Right. And and the wolves never tonight had any reason to believe that they were going to lose that fight. And and 
they just came out with that. I mean, how big did the lead get in the first quarter? Like 12, 15, maybe? I think it was like 31 to 17 at some point or something like that. It was, it was a margin that you said, you know, they're going to have to work hard. And actually, I think they tied it at 47 at some point at 59. Mm -hmm. There was some point where, you know, the Nas minutes, and then there was some other thing at the end of the first half where right. I think the Wolves were up three, actually, in the first half. I tweeted out something about they should be up a dozen. or Right. Um, but to your point, um, this is not, uh, you know, they had this thing with Westbrook and the Lakers. They had this thing with the yeah. Clippers. A lot of it is Pat Bev generated. It's going to be who he is. And let's face it. And I think Pat needs that. Like, I think he needs that for himself. Right. The other guys, I don't know if they need that. And I let me say this right up front, because there's at least three games to go, and it will be, if if the Wolves keep winning, the Grizzlies will become increasingly desperate, and if the Wolves don't keep winning, it will become increasingly competitive series. Either way, we have seen one of the least chippy games of the series today. Mm. It's not going to get easier in terms of attitude, because to lose to a seven seed, if you're Memphis, the hot young team, 56 wins, second best record in the NBA, um, 20 and four without Ja. Yeah, they're you know, coming back. Like they're not going to lay down. Not only are they not going to lay down, but they're going to find ways to reduce some of their deficiencies. And one obvious avenue to try to do that is to mess with the wolves um create a deficiency on their part and so again that's what was impressive cat incredibly mature tonight and in a very different way because you didn't have to worry about his composure maturity but you may have to worry you know about him being a little bit more all right you know i'll take this fun challenge right um Although he does have something against Memphis, doesn't he? I mean, we should get into that for a minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to beat Memphis. I mean, he's the one that raised the question, you know, and yeah. why, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's something about, I think we're better than that one through 15. I mean, he yeah. didn't want to leave anybody out. And then he called out some kid who told him he sucked <laughs> some eight year old or something. He guessed yeah. he was eight years old, but it was just classic stuff. I mean, just tabloid flotter fodder you know for uh you know the media age just wonderful bite worthy stuff at the same time part serious part not he doesn't care if it becomes a big deal he doesn't care if it doesn't right uh just thought but memphis comes up memphis comes up in his mind well Brett, i think part of it is jaws his contemporary uh-huh you know what i mean like there's one draft before him right i, I mean the there's always been this thing with Ant. Everyone knows who's been watching him. I always say, if you're playing Tuesday night in Sacramento, you're probably not getting much from Anthony Edwards. You know? <laughs> right. But, as he would say, lights come on, so do I. Right. And and I have never doubted that. Uh-huh. I have never that. There is... Like, remember Andrew Wiggins used to have a little bit of that to him, too? Where, like, he would be like, oh, we're playing Charlotte or whatever. Right, right. Um, but when the lights came on... Wiggins didn't always do that. Right, right, right. You know, sometimes he did. Oh, we're playing Cleveland? Sure. Right, right. But Anthony Edwards is like, he has a good sense of the moment of what I think this means to him individually in his clout as an NBA player, which 
I don't think that's more important to him than the team's success. But as a businessman, right, whose profession is a NBA basketball player, like this is the time to turn up, you know, right. And and I, I'm at the point where I'll be pretty surprised if we get one of those games for Ant in the series where he's just kind of chilling, you know. Like I don't think that's, I don't think that's what we're gonna see from him. Lights I are on every game. It, I thought it was revealing when he was asked. Just John Krasinski, his one of his things, everybody's got their own little angle they're pursuing as they do this, you can tell by the questions, was that D'Lo told him, Krasinski, that the first playoff games were pretty awesome and kind of mind-blowing. And he asked When, when D'Lo was in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. when D'Lo was in Brooklyn. And he asked Ant, was that that way for you? And he went, no. Same, you know, same method going through. And there is a part of me that definitely believes that Ant – has told himself that because it's mm -hmm. the playoffs, I am going to be Mr. Efficient. I'm going to be Mr. Relentless. I'm going to get I, I non-injured knee ant. The knee injury is gone. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, I mean, just. Well, there was, was always a gray with the knee. I'm not saying the knee wasn't a thing. No, no. But, but sometimes we would attribute a bad ant game that I think was more about uh, focus. Right. You know, it'd be like a knee. Well, certainly that's what know? Finch felt. Yeah. I mean, and Finch and Ant. That's probably why I think it's. <laughs> have a, a really productive relationship. That's the way I will describe it. Is that. The cool um, uncle. Huh? He's the cool uncle. <laughs> yeah, but also it's like. Uh, Ant can also be like the uh, faux nor naughty uh, nephew. You know what I mean? It's like uh, somebody who's going. You know, you could just. Yeah, see, he was like sometimes you just starts Finch coming at me like, with knock it off. You know what I mean? You know, just <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. mess with that. You know, uh, but what I like about it is that they never say a bad word about each other as people or as, I mean, I just, I mean, Fitch yeah. doesn't anyway, but this whole idea, he will talk shit about Ant's game more than anybody on the roster. Well, he wasn't shooting this. He wasn't doing that because he press, knows yeah. that Edwards wants to be criticized as long as it isn't getting into negative territory. Right. The stuff that Finch has said about um, Ant, there are different parts of this season where he could have said worse about every member of the team, you know, from Cat and D'Lo on down. And he doesn't because he's not sure if the ballast of his power as a head coach saying that about those guys is going to knock them off their pins enough to have to do some reparation or at least some some kind of secondary right, yeah. step. No, you're totally right. That's With Ant, it's what like, happens. I'll say what I want to uh -huh. say here, and we'll probably hash it out if he's got any questions, you know. But there is a confidence that Ant's going to take whatever I throw at him, and whatever he throws at me, we'll deal with that. That's great, you know. What do you – the the heavy line of questioning to Finch after the game, understandably, was – has Ant made the leap? Is he is he in the middle of making the leap? All that sort of stuff. And he effectively like pumped the brakes and like I think his last line on it was It's been two games. Yeah, something. or he's like, let's see. Let's let's let the series play out. Let's let the series play out. Beyond just this playoffs, what 
What do you think Chris Finch thinks in his head that he has in Anthony Edwards? Like, as in terms of... I think he's trying to figure out third and fourth levels. I think he's trying to figure out he's got somebody... I mean, he's he's been pretty open, and I think this is as much of a prod as a belief. I think he thinks that Ant can be special on defense. He said that a few times. Where... I don't think he believes this, but I think he's entertaining the idea to bring this whole pod full circle that let's find out if there's Luca in Ant. Yeah. Let's find out if there's a third and fourth level. Let's find out if we need 40 usage from him, whether or not that can become like automatic. Let's find out if, um, if the guy gets the ball, you know, down to, with 18 seconds in the game and he's got the wide open three and a cutter that he'll be able to make the right move, whatever that right move is, you know? Yeah. Um, the whole I, narrative is about to shift on Anthony Edwards. Yes, in, it is. In the, in yeah, the because everybody perception. is going to see what we've been seeing off and on for the past three days yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. four days. Yeah. yeah. And also what we've seen flashes of, you know, I mean, yeah. people still have this idea that, um, People who dunk in phenomenal fashion get pigeonholed. Yeah. They get pigeonholed as somebody who's a great dunker, you know? And it's not their fault that not as much attention is paid to the subtler aspects of their game, but that's the way it goes, you know? Um, and sometimes it helps them. Zach Levine, you know, was terrible at many other aspects of basketball and was helped by being seen as only a dunker. I think Anthony Edwards was helped by that last year. I don't think Anthony Edwards is helped by that now. I think Anthony Edwards. I also don't think it's an accurate representation of his game at all. Exactly. Because he doesn't do it for him. I mean, what did he do today? I mean, he got 36 and six assists and all this other stuff. What did he do that made your draw jaw drop? I didn't see anything except for the fact that he was Unless you're really people, into step back threes. killing people yeah. with these highly contested three point shots. But that's a kind of a that's a different kind of jaw drop, you know. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think when I think I th what we're trying to describe is untapped potential still, or at the very least, um, unexamined, un untapped. The word potential is hard, but accurate. I mean, in at the in the end of the day, you're right. The problem with untapped potential is. Um, it feels too nebulous. I think that we have some specificity about what mm. we want to find out about the upper reaches of Ant. And uh, I, I don't we know. Are. Huh? I think we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. I, the early ones. Yeah. Th there is a chance, you know. And again, like you and like Finch, I'm – the last thing in the world I want to do is, you know, look back on this and go, oh, remember that game where Ant went off for 36? Yeah. You know, the Wolves lost in six games, and we thought they were We compared world Ant to Luca and Paul George. <laughs> Dane told me they were going to sweep them in four games. Yeah, I know exactly. this is not, exactly. so, this I has mean, some dangerous shadow. It's a dangerous it. thing. I don't think watch sitting there watching the game tonight or today, Yeah, um, they did not ever evince – 
a period of time where I said, Memphis is the better team here. No. This team better go home. You know, we're going to see a five or six game series tops. If I'm saying that at all, I'm saying it the other way. The Wolves are clearly the better team. And I did tell you quick into the game, Memphis is really rusty and the playing game really helped the Wolves. True. I really believe that. But they had time to knock off the rust and they had some things going on. And the Wolves gifted them some stuff. You know, the Nas minutes, as you pointed out, were unnecessary. They could have gone Vando and 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 snuffed that whole dynamic. Or just in general, we kept saying during the game, like, man, four-point lead, three-point lead, six-point lead. And you, you had like a great a comment on that to me, which was we were seeing how efficiently that offense was moving. Yeah. And they were missing open shots that were. were being created by that offense. And that's why we were giving them those points that they were missing <laughs> yeah. because, hey, you know, they deserve those points even though they didn't finish. Which know? signals as upside for this team, too. Like, th- like, this wasn't the best game the Wolves can play. Not at all. Not at all. They looked like the best team on the floor, and it wasn't the best game they can play. One, we did not see the D'Angelo Russell from the Clippers game. Not at all. That That's an obvious low-hanging fruit right yes. there yep. to, to grab. But, but yeah, too, like, again... I'm excited and to go back Nas and rewatch can get it. Get a stop and not foul. I'm not banking then on it's that. It's an upgrade there. I'm not banking. There, there's going to be some sinkholes that are sinkholes. Yeah, and and right. they might be. And I don't know if it's going to be that or not. But that also to me feels like some low hanging fruit of like, wait, we just swung, swung to Beasley like three times. He, I think he missed like three pretty open corner threes. Right. Like statistically. Right. He makes at least one of those probably two. Right. You know, open. Like open, open. Right. There, there was, there was a, there was a lot of that, and and you know, and I, I guess some of it went the other way too. Was Jaden McDaniels? He was hitting, he was hitting his threes. He he made two, two of three. his three threes. Right. You know, so so maybe there was some of that, but just the movement of the ball and the shot created value of it was worth more than the 130 points they they scored tonight. Put I, it this I way, I think that. The national media, it's an, it's a playoff series, so we have a lot more national folks coming in. It's actually really good to see them. a lot of writers I admire. Um, but they came out of that game going, oh, the Wolves are a better team today anyway. Oh, I'm excited to read tomorrow. Just uh, is, How hot is it going to be? Like, uh, yeah, continue. And and because it was a it was a convincing victory. It was a victory where you said, Stadium was empty by the time the buzzer rang. Throw empty. the records out the window and tell me who should be favored in this series after today, you know? And that's the kind of thing, you know, you don't want to get caught up in as somebody you've covered the team the whole time. Yeah. But there are a lot of people walking in saying Grizzlies in six or Grizzlies in five who are revising the possibility that that's not accurate, mm-hmm. you know? saying, ah, and it isn't just because of the win, it's because of how the win was generated. Um, and which is not to say, I think Taylor Jenkins is one of the better coaches in the league, um, despite all the things he did wrong, in my opinion, today. I think the jaw obviously, is a special player. DeAnthony Melton and Brandon Clark are two glue guys that I would love to have on my team. They're defensive bulldogs and Clark in particular kills the wolves. He was the most damaging player second to jaw. Yeah. Dylan Brooks actually did not have as 
a game that I expected. And that is a place where Memphis can improve is if Dylan Brooks becomes his old Jackson self. Jr. Huh? And Jaron Jackson yeah, Jr. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, they they got they got some upsides too. Yeah, they got some upsides. And it'll it, which is great. Bring it on. I mean, it's gonna right. be a great series. It is. I mean, that's what I left the stadium today being like like, okay, this is worth coming. Right. <laughs> you right. know, like this is good this is gonna be fun. And I, I can imagine, you know, for Wolves fans who are here, Wolves fans are watching at home, Wolves fans are gonna be there for game three, like the every one of these games are going to be like the best game right. you attended this season. It just This it, is it, in Houston. Yeah, where, no, where it was like yeah. a gentleman's sweep. It was three of five, I think, back then, mm-hmm. wasn't it, or something? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was five games. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, that's right, four or five. So, but I mean, I mean they're it, coming back worst case one one, right? Exactly, now. and you also get the sense that uh, if the Grizzlies win four out of five, it's a six game series. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fascinating thought. If 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 the Grizzlies split the next four games, the Wolves have two chances at a closeout. Mm. I mean, you pick up the first game on the road. Pick up the first game. Period. Yeah, picking but up the first game, game on the road. The first game on the road is 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 it is the making of a upset. Yes, it it always has been. Right, right. Those are the ones where you go, oh, they were the lower seed. We didn't see this coming. Go back on a lot of those series, like the Pelicans one I brought right, up. Whatever. Right, right. You know, one game one, that that team. Yeah. That team. So, yeah, I mean, I So we're trying to temper our, our, our enthusiasm <laughs> yeah. at the trying same time. Hard. The longer we talk, the more we just say what we just saw. And that's, you know. That's as valuable as anything. Also, we often say when a team like the Wolves suck, we say, well, you know. Yes, for this game, they did that. Let's see what happens the next game. Let's see what happens the next game. At the end of the day, if you can't savor a situation in which your 20-year-old and your 21-year-old both played above their norm Mm. in their first ever playoff game, your alpha star who totally shit the bed Maybe his worst performance under pressure circumstances of his entire career comes back and plays like a mature seven-year veteran all-star, racks up 29, and I think it was 16 and three or something, and doesn't get baited in fouls. Great. You've got your sharpshooting sixth man shooting sharp and making buckets, and you're on the road, and you've won the game after beating the Clippers. Um if you can't say this team's got some traction and to stop them, there's going to have to be some opposing force that's better than what we saw today. There's that genuine optimism that people mm-hmm. should have. Yes, absolutely. I I don't know how you, how you walk away with this as a Wolves fan. And he thinks short of extremely pleased <laughs> and in, in what happened also with holes that suggest that the, you know the the upside the upside is higher. So it's a it's a 130-117 victory. This is the trappings of an upset. This is how they start. Um doesn't guarantee anything whatsoever, but we're we're moving we're moving in that direction. You're going to have a you're going to have a column up tomorrow? I hope so. No, no, no. I'm going to have a column up Monday. I'll write okay. it tomorrow. Write it but on. Okay. post comes out on Monday. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Britt, there'll probably be a lot of what we just talked about. 
<laughs> since there really isn't anything else to write well, about. You know, we'll 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 see what they say tomorrow and rewatch. I mean, rewatching I think in playoffs is always right. is always uh, valuable too. But in the moment right now and Saturday evening, you gotta you know you gotta be you gotta be feeling good about where the Wolves are at. They 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 took the first the first step and. I think we're locked in, going to be locked into a hell of a series here. We may be playing into May. <laughs> All right, that's that's <laughs> knocking on wood. We we will we will see. I, I it's it's trending. It's it is trending in in that direction. He's Britt Robson. Uh, read him at Min Post. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore MBA. Um, we're here in Memphis for a while, so I'll 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 keep coming back uh, to you with some. Some solo pods after the game today. It worked well to have uh, Britt on after a day game. Thanks for doing it, Britt. Yeah, my pleasure. But uh, we'll have we'll have plenty more for you here now that we are landed and grounded. It was a, a scramble for all of us to to get out to Memphis. I'm, I'm just for me for apologies on not having a, a series preview for this this out to you. But here we go. We're we're rolling, and anything I would have said a day ago has become, you know, fairly, fairly irrelevant. So we'll keep tracking this. I'll keep having close to daily pods for you. Britt will have his columns up at Mim Post. Until then, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.